Becker, Marta, Mick, Andy, Jared, Peralta. 4.11 Mountain West time. Live on your radio dials right now. As we are getting right into this NFL draft discussion or anything else we're going to talk about. It is a busy, busy time in the Colorado professional sporting world. And joining us to help debacle and tackle all of this is the sports editor for the Colorado Springs Gazette, Matt Wiley. Matt, can you hear us okay? And how are you, and how are you doing good, sir? I hear you fine, and I, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. It is an exciting time, and it's one of the one of my favorite times of the year. Matt, how busy, <laughs> how busy are you right now? I mean, we have two teams in the middle of a heated playoff race between the Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets. Both teams are doing very, very well for the first time in the playoffs in a very, very long time. And now, or at least for the Avalanche for the second year in a row. And then you have the Denver Broncos draft day, and then the Rockies who are eight and ten, eight and two within the last ten games. How busy is your job as a sports editor? Uh, it's been pretty busy, especially the scheduling. The the problem is I can only schedule out two to three days in advance and people are taking split days off to to be able to cover the games. But for example, if the Nuggets win tonight, I personally don't work Saturday. If they lose tonight and there is a game Saturday, I'll work Saturday. It's just kind of what you sign up for. But my staff has been really good about, you know, finding the cheapest fares, working the best hours to make sure that we can bring the coverage to the readers that they need. Matt, tackling the NFL draft that is happening tonight, Denver Broncos have the number 10 overall pick. I know you've been immersed in Avalanche and Nuggets stuff, but this is highly important, and I value, value your opinion because you are um, a professional at this. You, 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 you thrive in the sports journalism field. What is Denver's strategy? Chris Harris Jr. has come out and said either he wants money or he wants to be traded, and John Elway said they don't have to worry about that right now. They're going to tackle that afterwards. And he said just because they're going to talk about it doesn't mean that they're going to give him a new contract, which basically means that they're open to trading Chris Harris Jr. So my question to you is what is John Elway's mindset from your point of view, and what do you see him doing tonight with that 10th overall pick? Well, I think he's going to take the best deal possible. If somebody wows him as some of, you know, there's so much just inaccurate speculation right now. Agents are putting out false stories. Players are putting out false stories. Everyone's trying to get that edge in negotiations right now. But, for example, it's been floated out there that the number three pick in the draft could be available for Chris Harris. I don't think John Elway turns that down, if, if, it, if that's true, but I also don't believe that that's true. I think that that's the, the huge you know, elephant in the corner in the draft, but assuming that everyone's telling the truth, which they aren't, but assuming that they are, at pick 10, you just you don't know what Denver is going to do. It'll depend on who's there. They've been linked to, to quarterbacks. They've been linked to linebackers. It's just, uh, I have to go with what Woody Page says. I, I trust his reporting on this. And uh, he said the Broncos could trade down. They like the tight end out of Iowa. Um, he said that they could go for the Michigan linebacker. But then, you know, there's there's other reports that Haskins, the quarterback out of Ohio State, the, the Broncos are enamored with him. But the Steelers could want to move up. The Redskins could want to move up and they all want to get ahead of the Bengals. So that's a, that's a possible trade partner for the Broncos. So there's just so many moving pieces right now. I think he has to evaluate everything and take the best deal possible. But I also think he can't miss on a quarterback again. Like I think his job could be in jeopardy if he misses on another quarterback. So I, I, I don't see them taking a quarterback at 10, possibly trade down and take the quarterback. But I, I just, you can't miss again. LA said that he's going to fill, uh, he's going to add a fourth quarterback, if not in the draft, by the then by the end of the offseason via free agency. Or he said if he can even find one off the street, then he will. But um, 
the whole Chris the whole Chris Harris Jr. thing. For me, this is completely messing me up. I thought that Denver wanted to go all in via the trade for Joe Flacco and everybody else who they signed with in the secondary. But the Chris Harris Jr. thing, I mean, why would you want to get rid of somebody like Chris Harris Jr. and then try and go all in? So therefore, I'm thinking that they may be rebuilding for the future. Therefore, they may go ahead and draft somebody at number 10 in the quarterback position. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. has Dwayne Haskins going to Denver at number 10. How likely is that? And do you think Elway is planning for the future or do you see him going all in with what he has right now? Well, I, th- I think to answer the initial question about Chris Harris is it's it's money. Is he are they willing to pay him fifteen million a year? And I, I just don't think they are. So he did take the the hometown discount, quote unquote, before. So now I think he's he's going to he the the, the running joke is he prefers green over orange right now. <laughs> but but you know he helped them you know take he, he took the contract down before he did he was taking less than market value so it's it's time to pony up and other agents and, and people that negotiate with the broncos are paying close attention to how they handle chris harris so they're either going to need to pay him or grant his demands but he can't he can't just be a distraction and the lame duck all the season i did see the mcshay uh had him taking devin bush and that kuiper has him taking uh the quarterback as you mentioned from ohio state but I, I think if the quarterback's the route that the, maybe they make a trade with Washington or maybe they do make a trade with the Steelers to, to flip and move back because the, the rumors are they always just been enamored with Drew Locke this entire time. And that those just haven't gone away, and that's been since the combine. You, you just hear whispers. John Elway loves him. So if they move back, get multiple picks, yeah, the quarterback. But I just don't see taking a quarterback at pick 10, especially with Flacco. And, and that, tongue-in-cheek a little bit, you know that Flacco and the, when he was with the Ravens and Ozzie Newsom was there, they seemed to draft a tight end every year. So what he says makes sense about getting that security blanket for Flacco and trying to go in this year uh, and and get an offense that is you know worthy of the defense that they have on the other side of the ball. The, the window is closing fast on this defense. There's probably two years left of being elite, elite with Von Miller reaching 30. Um, other other players getting past their prime and losing Chris Harris would be another hit to that defense. So it's Basically, do they have enough confidence in Jewel and middle linebacker, or do they upgrade that position? Can he cover players? Because for years, the Broncos were the team that was getting beat by the tight end. Yeah, that that goes to show. And me being a Seattle fan, is, I I have seen this problem play out within Seattle's sure. uh, organization. You had the Legion of Boom, all these guys who wanted to get paid. Seattle couldn't really not only pay them, but it was also that same situation. They couldn't. They the timing was just really wrong, and you're questioning whether or not these guys are going to be worth it going down the line. Which some of them were. Uh, I see a little bit of struggles coming from a lot of guys. Uh, but Matt, moving away from football, let's let's move to hockey here. The NHL okay. the Avalanche just the Avalanche just swept Calgary. Five, with, well, five, five, yeah. I, I call it a sweep. I call it a sweep because they won the last four games of the series sure. against Calgary. And they're about to face a very motivated San Jose team who just beat uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights in six games. What are your concerns going into this? ESPN released their picks with their 18 analysts for the the games, the series, and only four out of the, those 18 have picked the Avalanche to win. 
All of them. They're underdogs. Yeah, again. All of them going into six games at least. Uh, what are your concerns for the Avs going into this next series? I, I really am confident that the Avs will play well, and, and I'm. I, I try not to pick the games of the teams that we cover, but I. It would be hard for me if I was a betting man to bet against the Avs. They haven't lost a game since they added Kale McCarr. Uh, if, if you were to take a poll of who's the best player left, if you needed a goal scored, um, Nathan McKinnon is right at the top of that list with all these heavy hitters getting knocked out. Sure. I just think hockey once, once, you know, the, the thing about the abs and the thing they stressed in that Calgary series is they believe they can win. And I know that's kind of cliche and that momentum is kind of, you know, talent usually wins, but in hockey, when you have a hot goalie, you have a team that can score and you have belief, that's the winning combination. I, I think the abs, the sky's the limit for what they can do this season. Yeah, and like you said, you have guy. If you have guys that can score quickly, and especially with the Avs, and when they face Calgary, you know, leading by as much as six, and with towards the end of the game, the Avs have a good chance. Uh, going against San Jose, though, in, in the regular season, Avs were zero for two against them, and but the. The, both of those games were held in San Jose at the time. Do you think that maybe this home this home ice, uh, ice advantage ice. is going to play play a factor here for the Avalanche going into this series? Hockey, hockey and baseball are one of the few sports where I just kind of throw out the regular season, and yeah. the uh, the the Avs were struggled against the Flames as well. I think they were three uh, one in the series, or maybe it was two to one. But I know the Flames won the regular season. I, I know it's ridiculous, but you just I think they didn't play since the Avs and the Sharks haven't played since January. Uh, the Avs have been playing playoff hockey for, you know, six weeks now because they had to win almost every other game. They had that winning streak. They had to win to get in. So they are playing their best hockey at the right time. The Sharks, that was a big, big win. You know, some people say that that call was one of the worst calls, but they still had to put, you know, the goals in the net against the against the Knights. And I think it's a better matchup for the Avs to play the Sharks than it possibly would have been to play the Knights who, you know, like to grind it out, control the puck. If it's a free flowing game and it's, you know, our, our offense against our being Colorado, the Colorado offense against San Jose's offense, I, I would take Colorado. Matt, real quick, rapid fire. Let's go Denver Nuggets. We're hitting you on, on all cylinders here, but that's just because you're, you're the man to talk to. Um, Denver Nuggets play, of course, in, excuse me, game six tonight against San Antonio in San Antonio, in which they finally, finally won their first game in a very, very long time, um, a couple of games ago. And one of the biggest stories going in is Nikola Jokic and what he has done within this NBA playoffs. He is the first player in NBA history with at least 90 points, 50 rebounds, and 40 assists in his first five career games. He also buried two three-pointers in the final 39 seconds in the third quarter that basically served as a one-two combination that finished off the Spurs' last game to give the Nuggets that 3-2 edge within this series. How big of a role is Jokic going to play in this game tonight and also moving forward if they do end up winning this series against San Antonio? I, I think it's huge, and I think San let's say you know if they are to advance, if you say going forward, Enos Cantor, who Portland picked up in a, in a trade because they would play Portland next, has been a Nuggets killer. And the one thing that the Nuggets have kind of been exposed on is the rebounding, the offensive rebounding that they allow, and that's what that's Cantor's wheelhouse. So I think he has to control the boards. His passing is nice, his scoring is nice, but he ha- the, the Nuggets have to rebound when they when they out rebound their opponent. When they make three pointers like they did the other night, they're 
almost unbeatable. I mean, the, the switch that they made, putting Gary Harris on Derek White, has kind of shut him down a little bit going forward. Derek White, the you know, we went to UCCS in Colorado Springs and yeah. went on to CU. He's kind of a, a crowd favorite, but he hasn't, uh, or at least for our readership, he really hasn't had the impact on the game that he that he did early on because of the the switch to inserting Craig in the starting lineup and moving Jamal Murray off of him. So Jokic is. He's going to put up his numbers. He's going to do his thing. But in this series against San Antonio, he's not as vital a cog. But next round, Cantor, those those grind because the Portland the, those guards, and that's assuming if the Nuggets can win win tonight. But they're they're just better than San Antonio. Uh, they had the bugs early on. The when the Nuggets make shots, they're they're going to beat the Spurs. They just have more talent. That's just the reality of it right now. Portland can match them with shot making, so it's going to come down to the little details. It's going to come down to the rebounding and the and the defensive assignments. You know, Lillard would get his and McCollum would get his, but it's those other guys that you have to control. Jokic will be vital in those series. He's going to have to score more. He's going to have to control the boards, and Millsap as well will have to control the boards. I know you said rapid fire, and I'm babbling. So no, you're off. good. No you're, no, no, you're fine. I I really really. I appreciate um, um, your insight. I mean, I'm sure that it's nice to actually speak it out um, vocally instead of getting it on paper for once. Uh, but, um, Matt, real quick before we send you off, I'm currently wearing a Rocky Mountain Vibe shirt. I am All from, right. I'm from Colorado Springs. I am a Doherty High School graduate. And this Saturday, the Vibes, <laughs> they, I think they unveil uh, Toasty. Toasty. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm sure you guys are going to be there reporting on that. But how excited are you for this Rocky Mountain Vibes team? And do you actually see them successing? They're facing off against DJ Rocky's uh, in their first home series, and do you see this season being a success for the new um, for the new rebranded team? I do. There have been a lot of people who have, you know, poo pooed the idea and said, you know, it's a, a step down in uh, in the level of play because it's not AAA anymore. So there's been a lot of negativity. But I think the rivalries with the Colorado teams and the Bus League and and the, the players not being called up and being put down and and the games being played in the ideal weather, like there's a lot of rain delays and whatnot early in the year. I'm excited for this team. I think, I don't know how successful they'll be. I don't know um, if the, I think it'll take time for the community to rally around them, but to have yeah. little like stations of s'mores around the ballpark for kids to go up and great. have, you know, I'm excited like for if that. I was a kid, I would love to do that. That would be like such a memory for me and my friends to just go have s'mores because let's face it. I've probably been to 50, 50 AAA games and I don't really remember who won any of the games. Sure. I remember how players did and how individuals did, and I think that's the minor league experience, and that's how it's going to be still going forward. When when Glenn Allen Hill was here with the Sky Sox and he was the manager, he wouldn't even try to win the games. He, he flat out said it didn't matter whether they won or lost. It was just player development. I think for this rookie league team, the players are going to want to win. They're going to want to build that culture. AAA, you're trying to get to the majors. You're one step away. Rookie ball, you're trying to develop, develop players, but you're also trying to develop, to develop a culture. So I'm, I'm excited about the vibes. Matt Wiley from the Colorado Springs Gazette. Matt, thanks you for, so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule for joining us today. And um, go Nuggets tonight, and hopefully you will have a very, very, very relaxed, but hopefully enjoyable weekend. Hey, thanks for having me on. Reach out anytime. Thanks, man. And I'm a Palmer graduate. What year did you graduate from, Dorton? I graduated um, very recent, 2016, actually. And I played. Uh, oh, I played, I'm way uh, older than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. Um, we're youngins. We're still. We're still in that. Yeah, both still, of us. Still in that collegiate career. So thanks so much, man. We we really appreciate it.